What, we some kind of suicide squad? I am Iron Man. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Server Anakin, I have the high ground. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm simply saying that life, uh, finds a way. Welcome back to the Big Movie Boys podcast, the only podcast based on an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. I'm your host, Jeremy Bauman, and with me as always is Ben, are you still watching Stitch? What's up, boys? And Bob, Nine Lives Liebel. How's everybody doing? Right meow. We've got a lot to talk about this week, including Bob's punishment review of Cats and an update on and suggestions from our quarantine watch list. But first, it would appear that Christopher Nolan's upcoming film Tenet is trying to steal the title of most influential movie of the COVID-19 pandemic from Trolls World Tour, as the Washington Post claims that it alone will determine the future of the summer movie season. Now, this is a story... The article itself is from the Washington Post. It is titled, The Fate of the Summer Movie Season Rests on One Christopher Nolan Film. Basically, this article tries to illustrate three potential futures, one where Tenet doesn't come out, one where Tenet does come out, and people do go to the theater to watch it, and one where Tenet comes out and nobody goes to the theater to watch it. Ben, what do you think of these three scenarios? in general, and which one do you think may or may not be most likely to happen? Yeah, in the article, they talk about how basically they don't they don't know what's going to happen, and they're just waiting to see what happens. I mean, my hope is that people do go and see it. They talk about how it'll be socially distant, and like movie theaters will adapt to the socially distant like new nature, but... So I hope people do go and see it. I will not be one of those people. But I still hope that people go and see it so that more movies still are coming out this year and so it's not just like a wasted year for movies. But yeah, like uh, I definitely don't think I would be willing to go to a movie theater, but I hope more people are like ready to get out of their houses and go see movies. I don't really think any of the options outlined, any of the three options outlined in that article for the Washington Post are even feasible because I just, I just don't see it. I mean, when does this movie come out? july right july 17th is its original release date which it is not backed off of yet i just i don't know man that seems too close just for the way things are in the world right now and i and what ben said like i mean it little movie theaters will probably be set up for social distancing people probably have to be six feet apart and people are going to take precautions to make sure we're safe but i don't see that happening in july i think that's the next step like we'll get there eventually but not by july so i don't think this movie is going to come out. What I would rather have happen is they just straight up postpone it, move it, move it to next year, next summer, summer 2021, have it come out because I'm so excited for this movie and I don't want the experience to be ruined by everything that's going on right now. So I'd rather just delay it, just wait till next summer and then we can watch it the way we're meant to. Yeah, Bob, I kind of agree with that. The one thing I will say though is with um, drive-ins opening up, I know not everyone is near one. I think that would be the one way I actually would go see it. I, I know I said I wouldn't go to a movie theater, but if drive-ins are opening up, I, I think that's the one way I would go see this because I do want to see this in a movie theater. I know that's not the same thing, but that's the only way I would go see it. I definitely wouldn't risk it in a movie theater. That's the a really that's a really good point. But not everyone is around a movie or a drive-in movie theater, so I don't know. It just becomes tricky like that. True. Yeah, I mean, I I think July seventeenth is pushing it. I mean, we're recording on May seventeenth, so that's only two months away. I would be very surprised, first and foremost, if it actually was released on that date. If it is released on that date, 
I don't know that it's I don't think it can possibly make the money that they want it to make. Granted, there would be no competition. So that's one of the plus sides. But theaters would have to reduce to 50% or less occupancy. Now, of course, it would probably be the only movie showing in every theater in the building. So maybe that makes up for it. And at the same time, I think this is a movie that everyone involved wants to come out to a theater. I don't think there's an option of this coming to like VOD, like Trolls World Tour, Scoob just did. Because... First of all, it's going to make so much money, or it would have, you know, under normal circumstances. So obviously Warner Brothers wants the big box office return after investing, I think it was an estimated $200 million on this movie. Dear God, I didn't know that. Plus, it's a Christopher Nolan movie, and he's, I'm pretty sure he's been one of the people who have been pretty outspoken on the theatrical experience in an age of, you know, movies coming to VOD or coming straight to streaming services. He's been an advocate for getting people into theaters so I don't think he wants to do any alternative releases like that so I think it will be released in a theater but I'm kind of with Bob where I think they're better off making it next July just delay the whole thing if it's a shitty movie that nobody really cares about put it to VOD do something like that but if it's a movie that that is like something that needs an experience or it's like a big blockbuster movie like Tenet is going to be just have everybody agree, we're going we're gonna to release our movies, all the movies that are supposed to come out this summer, we'll just release them on the same dates next summer. Problem solved. And then just leave the shitty ones, put them right out to VOD. Good ones, you gotta, you gotta wait. Yeah, I think you sold me on that. I think I'm, I'm up for that. Good. I, I've been talking to the people at uh, Regal and AMC. <laughs> and they're interested. Uh, I will read two quick uh, quotes out of this article. Um... One is from a marketing executive who they could not name. He says, If Tenet does not come out or doesn't succeed, every other company goes home. It's no movies until Christmas. That's what this guy's claim is, that if either Tenet pulls out or it does release, but nobody feels comfortable enough to go to a theater so it doesn't make any money, then we won't see another new movie released to theaters until Christmas at the earliest, according to this guy. Damn, I almost agree with him. It sounds intense, but really think about it. If if they say they release it in theaters and it does become a massive flop because people are afraid to go see it, then everybody, every other movie is going to be afraid for the same reason. They're like, I don't want to put on my movie and then have nobody go see it. Which makes so, sense because Tenet, it, like, in theory, could be the biggest movie of this year. So if that movie does bad, why the hell would you even try? I think it was it was poised to be the biggest movie of the year, without a doubt. And like Jeremy said, that $200 million budget... I think they they know that they're going to at least... I mean, this movie, Christopher Nolan, we all know this is probably going to make $500 million, at least. Uh, probably more than that. So they knew they were going to make their money back on this movie. But like, can you imagine being like, I don't know, like in their shoes right now, probably shitting their pants. Or like, we spent all this money on this movie and we look what happened to the world. Like, we might this might be a huge flop. The uh, other quote, a couple of numbers I can throw at you. Not super surprising when you consider everything, but... When you take a step back and compare these two numbers, it really uh, really shines a light on the current state of things. So this says that in 2019, the April to June period of 2019, produced $3.4 billion in box office receipts. So far in 2020, it has yielded $102,000. Oh my God, that's wild. Wow. So obviously that doesn't take into account 
you know, the 100 million plus that Trolls World Tour is made on VOD, but obviously because almost every theater in the country, if not the world, is closed right now. Yeah, that's a difference of $3.4 billion. So yes, Bob, I think you are correct in saying that Warner Brothers and probably every other studio is shitting their pants trying to figure out how they're going to make any money back, especially with all their current projects being, you know, paused, put on hiatus until people can be in the same room again. This is a, it paints a dark picture for the future of movie releases. What a time to start a podcast about movies. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. But thankfully, the creative geniuses behind the Big Movie Boys podcast, we don't need new movies. We just need to play stupid games and punish people into watching old movies. Really, really bad old movies. So if you didn't watch, or listen to, rather, last week's podcast, we played a little game. It was the first installation of the Big Movie Boys Presents, Who is the Biggest Movie Boy? If you want to go back and listen to that episode to hear how it all played out, I encourage you to do that right now. If you don't care, or if you're caught up, then we all know that Ben is our current Biggest Movie Boy. Congratulations again to Ben. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And more importantly, Bob is a loser and doesn't know how much movies make. And because of that, he had to watch a Punishment movie, and he chose, he really wanted to watch Cats, that, 2019's that, Cats. I, I just want to say that I got screwed over, and this shouldn't even be on the list. I get it as a Punishment movie, but this, is, this takes it to the next level. This is unfair. Would you say this falls into the category of cruel and unusual punishment? Yes, absolutely. Well, Bob, we're very excited to hear your review. I'll just kind of lay down some of the base facts for you for Cats 2019. It was released on December 20th, and nothing in the world has been the same since. Directed by Tom Hooper, written by Tom Hooper and Lee Hall, based on the musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber, which is based on the poem by T.S. Eliot. It's got a meta score of 32, an IMDb rating of 2.7 out of 10, a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 21%, but it does have an audience score of 53%, just over 500. Bob, we're dying to hear it. What did you think of those, Cats? Those numbers are a little high if you ask me. <laughs> but let me let me just uh, preface this by saying that I watched this movie um, about two and a half hours ago. I put it off the entire week ever since I lost last week on the, on the Who is the Biggest Movie Boy Challenge. I was absolutely dreading this because I know how shitty this movie is going to be. So I decided to watch it this morning, very hungover, like violently sick hungover. So I don't know why I did that to myself. That made it even worse. Um, Other thing I also need to mention is I'm not the best reader or writer. I'm convinced I actually don't know how to read. I think I've just memorized a lot of words. Um, So with that being said, I guess here here is my my, uh, 500-word essay on Cats. Okay. Is Cats the worst movie ever made? I will be answering that question in this 500-word essay. Cats is a movie based on a Broadway play of the same name. It stars Taylor Swift, James Corden, Judi Dench, Jason Derulo, Rebel Wilson, Idris Elba, Sir Ian McKellen, and a bunch of other people you don't give two shits about. Now, with such a star cast, you might think, this movie's going to be really good. You would be dead fucking wrong. The word jellical is used throughout the entire movie, and I still have absolutely no idea what it means. They refer to themselves as jellical cats, and they do a bunch of jellical things. And there's also something called a jellical ball. 
the plot of the movie revolves around this Jellicle Ball, which I believe is supposed to be a singing competition of some sort. The winner of the contest is chosen by D- Judy Dench, and the winner gets to go to the Heavenside Lair and be reborn to start a new life. Which, from what I gathered, this means suicide. <laughs> All the cats are competing for the right to be chosen to die. It is established why it's not established why any of the cats even have a bad life and would want to commit suicide and be reborn to a better life. But I guess it's supposed to be some sort of prestigious honor. The bad guy in the movie is played by Edris Elba, and he decides to take out all of the other contestants using his magic. Yes, that's right. Some of the cats <laughs> have magic. Idris Elba uses his teleportation magic to one of sorry. To one by one teleport the contestants onto a boat in the middle of a river. So that he is the only one left. Therefore, he is the only cat Judy Dench can pick to commit suicide. However, this backfires because Idris Elba is not Jellicle enough to be the winner of the Jellicle Ball. <laughs> this doesn't go over well with him, so he decides to teleport Judy Dench onto the boat as well. Then the good guy magic cat uses his powers to bring them all back to the ball. Jennifer Hudson sings a song, and she is chosen as the Jellicle Ball winner. She gets in a hot air balloon and flies off into, into the sky to die. Edris Elba grabs onto a rope hanging from the hot air balloon but slips off and falls onto a statue for some reason. 97% of the movie dialogue is singing. All the songs are terrible, and it was torture listening to them. (laughs) Also, for some reason, everyone is British. The cast is majority British, but any of the American actors fake a British accent while singing. And Taylor Swift, in particular, does a horrible job of this. Jennifer Hudson also loses her British accent about halfway through the movie and just says, fuck it, and sings in her normal voice. The basic structure of the movie... We meet a cat character, they sing a song. We meet another cat character, they sing another song. And so on and so forth. And while all this is happening, Edris Elba is eliminating them from the contest by teleporting them back to his boat. This movie felt like it was four hours long, and the same thing just kept happening over and over. (laughs) Now let's talk about the shittiest part of the movie. The god-awful CGI. These cats look absolutely terrifying. I don't know who thought it would be a good idea to make the cats look the way they do, but I would like to meet the person who came up with this idea and punch them in the fucking throat. <laughs> All the cats slink around and gyrate their bodies throughout the movie. The way these cats move and interact with each other does not resemble the way cats or humans move. <laughs> it is extremely unsettling the way they are made. Excuse me. It is extremely unsettling the way they move and it's incredibly uncomfortable to watch. They have human bodies covered in cat fur. And the female cats are given weird hairy bumps for where their boobs are supposed to be, and the male cats just have a nice little hump from where their junk should be. Some of the cats do get to wear clothes, though. It is never stated why or how they get these clothes. The faces of the cats actually look fine, and I think if they had made the bodies less creepy, they probably could have pulled off the look. With all that being said, I truly think this may be the shittiest movie I have ever watched. I pray that one day I'll be able to forget everything about it, I do not recommend this movie to anybody. I think anyone who saw it in theaters or rented this movie on Prime should get their money back fucking immediately. The end. <laughs> wow, that sounds really jellic. Wow. Thank you. Super jellic. It's only a $3 rental though, right? So I guess... Oh, oh, no! No, you'd be wrong there, buddy. They upped the price. I think Jeff Bezos listens to the podcast. <laughs> and he he knows that I was going to watch Cats. It was fucking $6 to watch this Ooh. hot garbage. Dude, I can't believe you spent $6 to watch this. I would have quit this podcast and just said, fuck you guys. I'm not paying $6 to I watch that. I would have rather burned $6 on my fucking head. <laughs> Dude, this thing was 
this was bad. I mean, this was truly bad. Would you? Do say... you guys have any? Yeah, ask me some questions about it. I just, I, I need to talk. I'm, I'm riled up right now. Would you say that there is any redeeming quality to this movie? Can you say? I... No, I'm gonna rephrase that, Bob. I'm ordering you to say one positive thing about Cats 2019. I don't think I can. I really don't. <laughs> uh, if I, re- if you really had to press me, I'd say the songs actually aren't terrible like jennifer hudson is a very good singer and there's a scene in particular when she just when she drops her british accent she sings i'm like wow that was like that was a good song but it's just like completely overshadowed and ruined by like the weird outfit she's wearing and her weird like hairy cat lumps and it's just it's so fucking if you just listen to this movie on like an audio book or something or like an audio tape like i i think you could maybe find a small amount of enjoyment but if you see any visuals from this movie you're done so which actor do you think embarrassed themselves the most like just That's hard. being in this movie i would say ian mckellen because he he has a scene where he sings and it's bad like it is really really bad and he's obviously like an older actor he's been around the block he's pretty well known he yeah I don't know. It was pretty... Like, that was one of the worst parts for me when he was singing. So I would See, say probably I thought, him. I thought you were going to say Idris Elba just because he's, like, such a badass, and I know he's playing the bad guy, but the fact he doesn't that he's sing. in the movie... He doesn't sing. He's, and, like, only character that doesn't sing in the movie. he supposed to sing? Is that he why he, he wasn't has, Jellic? He has, <laughs> he has one part where he, like, sings, like, maybe, like, two or three words, but he's mostly just talking. I don't think it... I don't think it... He, he comes out of this pretty unscathed, if I'm being honest. The people I feel the worst for are, like, the no-name actors that are in this. Because one, you can't even really tell. Like, you know who the famous people are, because because you can tell their faces even through the cat CGI. But like some of the no names, I'm just like I don't know who the fuck that is. I don't even know them. They all have ridiculous cat names too. Like all their names are weird. Like I forgot Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson's in it, and her character is like Mrs. Gumdrop Toodleoops or something. Like it's something stupid. They're, all their names are so weird. And I forgot James Corden's is also super super weird. They all have like weird ass fucking names. Is he uh, Mr. Mistopheles? No, Mr. Mistopheles, that's the good magic cat. He's the guy that brings everybody back uh, at the end. That's the only name I remember. He's, he's, I can't see the full name, but his first name is Bustifer is what I see here. Oh, yeah, it was like <laughs> Bustifer. It was ridiculous. But he was he was the comedic relief, so was Rebel Wilson, and they were both just being fat. That's what, that's what, that, was, that was the funny part about their characters is that they're fat cats. Like Rebel Wilson has a tendency in this movie in her one singing scene to fall a lot. She trips over things. She also, this might sound weird. I, I actually, like, now that I'm about to say it out loud, I don't know if I imagine this. She has an army of cockroaches that have human heads on them. And she, like, has them in her singing scene, like, in her number. They, like, run around the room with her. And then she also has, like, a, a, like mice in a cupboard that also sings. But they have the faces of children. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen that clip. I think it's the only visuals I've seen of this movie is that clip. And it's, it's legitimately nightmare fuel. It really is, dude. It's so creepy. And at one point, she bites the head off a cockroach. I don't know. It's fucking wild. And then James Corden, though, he I think he gets hit in the balls like five times. And that's supposed to be like rolling on the floor laughing shit, I guess. He's horrible. But his whole thing is that he's fat. And he gets tricked by Edris Elba for being fat. Because Edris Elba has like a like a feast or something in a garbage can. And James Corden's like, oh, I'm, I'm a fat cat. I'm going to go get some of that. Then Edris Elba teleports him. I love the like how oh, they're magical. Just two of them. Yeah, that was a I, that was a twist I was not expecting. Oh yeah, they're magic. Apparently, that was 
also something that I was not established why or how they could do this. But yeah, they're they're ma- magicians. It's only some of them are magicians. My final question for you would be that there are rumors that there is a cut of this movie where all of the cats have buttholes, and it is known as the butthole cut. Would you watch this movie again if you were given the honor of seeing the butthole cut of cats? Absolutely not. And if there is a human, if there's a human being that actually went through and edited that movie, they should be shot and killed. Supposedly that was the original cut, and then they debuttholed it for the theatrical wow. cut. Dude, the That's bodies incredible. are scary. And if you added a butthole to it, that would have only just made it so much worse. Oh my god, I'm. I don't feel good right now. That is weird that they add boobs to the female cats. Like that's a real thing. It's it's like it's like it's like you, that you'd be wearing a bodysuit. Like so you have like the curves of your body and like for female obviously they have boobs and like men they give them like a little package like but then they just cover it in like cat fur and it's like a whatever like it's just so oh it's so weird dude but like I said it in the review the way they move around they're constantly like I don't know it's almost like they're like doing it in, like a seductive way or something it's really creepy like they're like gyrating around like nobody just walks across the room in this so i'm movie. assuming uh, are they on they two feet or four two most of the movie they're on two but sometimes they'll get on four they have but it's weird because they have human hands human feet they have thumbs so like they do move like humans i guess but they have like a slinky like skeevy quality to the way they move around it's really fucking weird well i and for one, I'm very happy that I didn't watch Cats, but I'm also very happy that Bob did because I was yes. I was happy with that review. <laughs> that was funny. You guys, you guys need to uh, need to watch the movie. I, uh, I have it rented for writer. that. That sounded good. Well, guys, I do have I do have it rented for another uh, I think <laughs> day or two. So, do you guys want my Prime account? I don't. <laughs> you guys can watch it for yourselves. While Bob was the only one of us to have the honor of watching Cats. All three of us have watched a myriad of TV shows, movies, and found different ways to entertain ourselves during this quarantine. At the time of recording, we're at just over two months of lockdown in the state of New York. So that's two months worth of extra time to kill, movies to catch up on, movies to rewatch for a little sense of comfort in these strange times. But before we get into our watch list. I'll just ask you guys first, have you been watching a ton of movies? Have you been binging through TV shows? Have you been finding alternative ways of keeping yourself entertained over the last two months? What's kind of been your go-to lately? I've been sticking TV shows. I, I mean, I haven't really watched that many movies. And if it's something's on TV, I might I might tune into it and see a little bit of it. But for the most part, I've been sticking to TV shows. Yeah, for me, at the start of quarantine, it was more TV shows, just kind of rewatching the things I'd already watched, not really thinking it would be two months long in quarantine. And now more recently, it's been movies, just more so movies now that I haven't really seen before. And yeah, earlier on, I was watching more uh, rewatchable movies. But yeah, now I'm trying to watch like different stuff, not knowing how long we're going to be still in quarantine. Yeah, for me, I've been pretty heavy on the movies few tv shows here and there um for a while right at the start of quarantine i got pretty heavy into animal crossing spent a lot of time with that i uh, haven't really fired it up in the last few weeks though so what for the me, hell is animal crossing uh on the switch the video game that's Isn't that sweeping, for children uh children and adults who have childish tendencies to play 
uh, virtual chore games with a bunch of little animals in them. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun to me when it's been explained to me. I have not played it. That sounds fucking horrible. It's only one of the most popular games (laughs) of the last two months. Sorry you guys aren't, you know, in the loop like I am, but... I'm sorry I'm not eight years old. That aside, I would say, entertainment-wise overall, for the last two months, I would... I've been more focused on movies. Um, but let's let's start with the stuff we've been re-watching, stuff we've seen before, and we just happened to throw it on again sometime in the last two months. Bob, we'll start with you. What are some of the movies or TV shows that you've re-watched? For me, it's, it, there's two. Uh, it's two TV shows that are probably my one-two of all time, and I don't think there's any, any way that that's ever going to change. I've been re-watching The Sopranos, and I've also been re-watching Lost. Now, I'll start with The Sopranos. I just recently had finished it, like, right before the quarantine started. And I just started it again, like, maybe two weeks ago. I just threw it back on. I was like, you know what? I miss my friends. I feel such an emotional connection to every character on The Sopranos. They're just they're part of my family, man. I throw them on and go see what, see what Tony's doing. It's, it's just like I'm watching real life, man. I love The Sopranos. Probably the best show ever. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. You, I don't know if either of you have ever seen it, know anything about it. I have not personally, no. No, I haven't either, but it's the show that I think I'm going to start next. I like need a new hour-long drama show to watch. I think that's the one I'm going to pick over The Wire. Everything about it is just, it's so cool to see. And I like the time period, that, or like I like the time period it's set in, and it's cool for me to watch it now. Like, it's late 90s, early 2000s, and it's just so interesting. Like, like for example, like in season one and two, like they don't have cell phones, and then like in like season like five and six, everybody has cell phones because like they just became more abundant during that actual time period that the show was taking place. And like even like the way like houses are decorated and some of the clothes people wear, like it's like totally reminds me of like when I was a kid, like early two thousands, like the way people like dress. It's just it's weird. It's it's totally like. It's it's like going in, in like back in time to the early two thousands, and it's very interesting. And it's also, oh my god, it's just awesome. It's the greatest show in the world. And I guess I'll move on next to Lost. You guys know I watch Lost all the time. Jeremy, I think you've seen it. Have you seen it? I've seen it all the way through once, and some other episodes here and there a second time. Now Lost for me, I saw it when it was on TV. I watched it live from the beginning, and then it was put on Netflix, and I watched it two or three times on Netflix. And then I also watched it on the DVDs. I have the DVD copies of it. So I've rewatched it through on DVD and then they finally just put it on Hulu. And that's when I restarted watching it. And I'm about halfway through it right now. And it's just, that's an all time classic for me. That's like one of the first like conspiracy theory TV shows. Cause it's just like, there's so many mysteries in it and there's so much going on. That, that was, that was to- like a total like water cooler TV show. Like you'd watch lost. Everybody would come into work the next day and you talk about, what happened on Lost? Like, what do you think about this theory? What do you think about that? And there's so many mysteries to it, and that's just what makes it so awesome. And even though, like, I know everything that happens because I've seen it so many fucking times, still love watching it. So you were ten years old going into work <laughs> yeah. talking about Lost at the Water Cooler. <laughs> Bob was going I, I into guess... middle school talking about it with teachers. <laughs> let me let me let me take that back. It was more a water cooler show for, you know your parents that I was watching with my parents. I, I, I definitely did go into school and talk about it with whatever people would watch it with me, which it was like nobody. I think I talked to the teachers about it. What about you, Ben? What have you been rewatching? Yeah. So my TV shows, I haven't been doing like long drama TV shows unless it's a new show. So I, I went back and watched arrested development. Everyone's watching Ozark. I figured, you know what? 
not going to watch Ozark. I'll watch a different Jason Bateman show. And I fucking love Arrested Development. It's so funny. The first three seasons are so funny to me. And then season four kind of dips for me. It's when it, I think that's when Netflix started producing it. It just kind of got weirder for me. And then, yeah, season five, I think there's a season. Yeah, the season five picks up again for me. Uh, But I love Arrested Development so much. I like watching that probably like once every two years. And then the other show, I hadn't watched it since I watched 30 Rock with my parents when it was on. And I think I was like, yeah, eight or nine, ten. And I had no idea what any of the jokes were. And now I watch it and it's just such a funny show. Like Tina Fey, seeing her, Alec Baldwin, Tracy Morgan. It's just so funny to see all them. So I rewatched that. Those are the two TV shows I watched. And then just going into movies, I mean, I, I sent you guys the snap. I, I, I rewatched Dodgeball and I fucking love that movie so much. It made me laugh my ass. You find like new jokes you hadn't remembered or hadn't caught like the first four or five, ten times you've watched it. That movie's it's, never not funny. It's, it really won't be. I like, I find something new every class. single time. It's so funny. An ultimate rewatch. I could watch it back to back. I could watch I could watch it once and just rewind it and just play it again, and I'd still laugh just as hard at every single thing. I fucking and love that movie. I feel like whenever I watch it, it's on like Comedy Central, so you get a lot of things taken out. This time it was on HBO, so I was like, fuck, I'm watching this whole thing and I'm missing a single thing, because you never get to see the full cut, I feel like. And then, yes, and then I wanted to laugh, and then I immediately wanted to cry, I guess. So I watched A Star is Born. And oh. when, you see it, when you see it the second time, because the first time I hadn't known, like, what happened in the end. And I, I won't even say it in case someone hasn't seen it somehow. But, like, so I didn't know the ending. But then the second time you watch it, you know the ending. So everything kind of just is a little clearer. And I was crying, like, I, I was, tears were in my eyes, like, the entire movie, because you just know what happens. And it's so freaking sad. There's a lot of, like, easter eggs in there that kind of point to the exactly uh, what's gonna happen and just uh, yeah just little things and it's amazing yeah the first time you watch it you don't see those (laughs) and when he gets the dog like when he first gets uh his dog which i think is actually bradley cooper's dog in her life i just actually like i get so sad at that moment because it's just oh my god uh, yeah i don't even want to talk about it anymore so the last movie i watched for a rewatch was uh la la land i'm not a musical guy but I love like it makes me. Think oh, you're of, not. Like, yeah, I know. I know a good musical band. <laughs> <laughs> but I love La La Land so much because it just like it makes me think of California, and I love Hollywood so much. And just it, it's really like a Hollywood movie, and I just love the like cinematography of it all. But and Ryan Gosling, I think, is my favorite actor, so I just love that movie so much. But that's that's where I really stopped at rewatch. I probably rewatch The Office too here and there, but just for shows that actually stick out to me, those are the, those will come to mind. Jerry, what about you? So I don't really have any TV shows. I mean, I, too, have The Office on in the background fairly regularly, but that's not really something I'm actively watching. Um, so I just have a few movies here. A couple of big ones from last year, Knives Out and Parasite. Rewatched both of those. Obviously, when Parasite came to Hulu, threw that on right away. And uh, The Fam and I rented Knives Out at one point because they hadn't seen it. I really enjoyed it. Everyone who was watching it for the first time really enjoyed it two of my favorite movies from 2019, so I very much enjoyed watching those again. Uh, Back to the Future 1, I caught on TV, and at the time, Back to the Future 3 was on Netflix, so I watched that, skipped over two, but now all three of them are on Netflix. So I'm going to go back and watch two, so that I'll have watched the entire trilogy out of order. Perfect. Um, the most disappointing movie I have on here... I have it under my rewatch category, although technically it's a remake. Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. 
was the remake of the original Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back from like 2000 or whatever. A movie that I very much liked back in 2000. But, I remember liking that too. I think I saw that in theaters. Yeah, the 2020 remake is not very good. And I don't know if it's just because if I watched the original movie, I wouldn't think it's very good. But I, I feel like they changed an, too many things. And, like, obviously the, the animation style is totally different, but, like, even, like, just the content of the movie itself. Is it, like, a shot-for-shot shot remake, or do they take liberty and just, like, what what happens? You, you said that it, you think it's different? Yeah, I mean, it was sold to me as a shot-for-shot shot remake, and there's definitely parts that are shot-for-shot shot remakes because you can see comparisons. Like, that when it was first coming out, I saw a bunch on Twitter of just, like, still frames from the original and the remake that were clearly, like, almost one-to-one you know, just remasters. But yeah, there was so many parts that I didn't remember, which could just be me not remembering a movie that I haven't seen in 15 plus years. But I don't know, my memory of it was so much better. And again, it could just be that I haven't seen it in so long, but that was a disappointing one to go back and rewatch. And then finally, one of my all time favorite movies, top fiver for sure, was put back on Netflix about a month ago, The Social Network. I was going to guess it. I watched mm. that movie like once a year at least, and as soon as I saw it was coming back to Netflix, I'm like, "Yep, I'm gonna watch that." I don't enjoy. What's that guy's name? Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Don't enjoy him. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan. He'll well, turn me off of a movie pretty quick. Fortunately, there are other actors in that movie as well. It is pretty heavy on the Eisenberg. I'll give you that. But I Justin wonder Timberlake, why. Andrew Garfield. Okay, I like him. That could cancel it out. I'm a big Andrew Garfield guy. There you go. He plays Spider-Man in the movie, Bob. So you'll, I think Oh, my God. Like okay, I'm in. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that rounds out my list of stuff I've rewatched, stuff I've gone back to. Bob, what are some of the movies, TV shows, etc. that you watched for the very first time since quarantine? I'm going to use this time to pitch you on not just one thing that I just restarted. It's an entire genre as a whole. I've just been getting into anime and I feel like you guys should too. Anime just, I don't know. It, it was always something that, that I stayed away from just because like I didn't understand it and I thought it was like stupid. But like so many people watch it and so many people are into it that I'm like, okay, like I gotta be missing something right now. Like what's the deal with this shit? I tried it more than once where I've like tried like some of the popular ones and I'm like, no, this is stupid. Like I'm done watching this shit. But I really took the time in quarantine I've been, I've been starting three shows in particular tried naruto tried attack on titan love them both i'm done with season one of naruto about halfway through season two attack on titan about halfway through season one but the one that i'm going to pitch to you guys the most as you should start with if you're going to start your anime journey is something that just got put on netflix this friday may 15th avatar the last airbender very i cool. i very, very good show as well. It, it's weird, too. I believe, I don't know if uh, something has to be made in Japan to be considered anime, but this is American anime, I guess. And you can spot the differences between it because obviously it's in English and it's made for an American audience. And when you watch those up, like Naruto and Attack on Titan, like those are Japanese. And like some of the humor and some of like the like uh, interactions between some of the characters are like a little different. And I don't know if that's the dubs or the subtitles or whatever, you know, whatever way you're watching it. But avatar man like i said it came on friday i'm i'm already almost done the season i basically watched it all day friday and most of saturday it's so good and i think a lot of my friends that i talked to about anime have they started with avatar because that was on nickelodeon which is so weird to think about 
like when you watch the show, it does not feel like a show that would have ever been on Nickelodeon. It's a lot of like lore to it. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a very well thought out show. And I don't know. There's just like, there's a lot of stuff put into it. Like, like there's a lot of history behind the characters and the civilization and everything that's happening in the show. Are you and... saying there wasn't lore in Jimmy Neutron? Is that the argument <laughs> you're trying to make? <laughs> no, but, but no, but it's so weird. Like, okay. So think back to when we were kids, right. And you'd be watching whatever day avatar was on, you know what I mean? Like you would watch. Yeah. So you, like you said, Jeremy, you watched the episode of Jimmy Neutron. Then into this stuff like it's so different and i put and i, and I put this under my new watch category not my rewatch category not only to group in the other anime shows with it but because when i was re-watching it i realized i think i've only seen the first two episodes i watched episode one i was like god damn like i do remember this show and then like i got to episode three i was like fuck when did this happen like i i think i've only seen the first two episodes of it because i definitely i was just ahead. gonna interrupt yeah because i was just gonna say that's the only anime show i've ever watched and i i saw it was on netflix so i i started it up just the first episode because i just remember watching it and you know what I think it is? Like, a show like Jimmy Neutron, it's a different story every time. Avatar was, like, the one kid show where it was, like, an actual story arc and, like, you could actually follow along and, like, be excited for the next week. Whereas, like, another... Like, all the, all kid shows are just, like... Standalone episodes, yeah. Like, exactly. Like, you don't need to watch the one before to understand what's going on. That was, like, the one show where you actually had to watch along. And so I think that was, that's what makes it seem like it's not really a kid show, even though that's it was on Nickelodeon and we were the target audience back in the day. It's strange, too, because, like, yeah, it, like you said, yeah, it's Nickelodeon, and we were the kids were the target audience, but, like, it's definitely very enjoyable for adults. Like, for sure. Like, when I'm watching it, I don't feel like I'm watching a kid's show. Well, you guys clearly didn't watch enough Pokemon growing up, because that I, yeah, was an overarching story. However, I will say, as an adult, or at least in high school, I went back to try to rewatch Pokemon, and I couldn't even get through it. So, I think Avatar has a point on Pokemon there. But Avatar, as long as the other ones I brought up, Attack on Titan, is one that I I, mean, I wouldn't have that be your first anime because it starts it's it's all subtitles. The ones where you have to read the subtitles are definitely have like a higher barrier for entry, in my opinion. Something like Naruto is pretty good because it's dubbed, and from what I've heard, I have like friends that are anime super fans that'll literally watch it dubbed. They'll watch it with subtitles. They'll watch it without subtitles. They'll watch they'll watch it in Japanese. Like they'll rewatch these shows just because they love them so much. And they said that Naruto, out of any of the shows, is dubbed the best. Like, like if you, when you listen to the English dub, you're basically getting the full story pretty well. So I'd say, like, if you're going to get into, like, like a real anime that's one that's, like, in from Japan, its uh, primary language is Japanese, that's a very good one to start. Very, but sim- similar to uh, Avatar in the same way that it's it's, like, a lot of history and, like, lore behind a lot of these characters and like the civilizations that they're in and that's something that i think happens in a lot of the anime shows and why people like them so much is like there's such like deep stories like there's so much like established information and like history behind everything that's happening which makes it like the worlds feel a little more like lived in you know what i mean like it's it, there's, there's just a lot to it and and it's something that it's hard to get into, but, like, I'd say, like, once you're past, like, episode, like, three or four on one of these series, except for Avatar, I feel like Avatar, any of these can enjoy. But when it comes to, like, a traditional I think once you're in it, then you're in it. You know what I mean? Like, you almost have to push through the beginning. You got anything else in your first-time watches that isn't anime? Or have you been exclusively dedicated to learning that... Japanese via anime? You, you, I'm, you're correct. I, I really have not watched anything else. I, like I said, like I, I had my rewatches of *The Sopranos* and *Lost* and a few other things. But for 
most part. I've just been watching these shows. And I think that speaks to how, uh, like, bingeable isn't the word, but it's easy to get hooked, I guess. Plus, they're like 600 episodes each, right? I don't know that you have much time to do anything else if they you're are. starting these shows. No, you're right. They are. There's so many. That's why I've been predominantly just watching. I've been cycling between those shows just because, yeah, there's so many episodes. So it is a bit of a tall task to, you know, get into it because when you're in and you're in, there's so many episodes you have to watch, but I'd say it's well worth it. So like I said, I took my time for my uh, new watch list today on the podcast to try to pitch you guys the great, uh, the greatness of anime. I mean, I'm definitely getting into Avatar sooner than later. I can tell you that much. So I'll let you know if that translates into Naruto or Attack on Titan or anything else like that. Yeah, that's how I feel. I'll definitely rewatch Avatar, but we'll see if that launches me into some anime uh, super fan like you are. Perfect. What about you, Ben? What have you watched for the first time? Yeah, so mine's a little longer, so I'll uh, I'll just kind of list them off here. So I had never watched Star Wars, so I figured, why not start now? So I'm, I'm three movies in. I'm trying to take it a little slower, watch like two movies a week, so I don't what three? all nine. Where did you start? Uh, the, just how they released in theaters, like so. The 1977, what, what is that? A new, a hope. new Hope. Yeah, and then yeah, and then uh, Empire Strikes Back. You, and you went. The jet. No, I didn't. I didn't want to go uh, one. New Miracle. No, no, I didn't want to do that. So uh, yeah, why? Because I'm afraid those three are the worst. The middle three, or am I wrong? Yeah, some could say some could say that they're not very good. Because that's where I'm at now, and I, I just got to kind of, since I know they're not as good, just from what I hear, I'm like a little hesitant to start them, but I know I will just because I want to see the, the latest three and then probably get hooked on The Mandalorian. I think if you're not invested into Star Wars and you're watching them all for the first time, you probably won't hate them as much as most people do. Okay. Hopefully that's Agreed. how it works out for me. All right. And then, uh, so next for me is my girlfriend has me hooked on The Challenge on MTV. Do either of you watch that? I've no. seen it before. So to me, it's basically Fear Factor, but with the same people each week and then like the drama that ensues from people being in that show and they're in a bunker and they're being quarantined. And this was filmed like it's it's filmed for like 10 weeks and it was like right before everything was shut down. So it's kind of like trippy to see these people in quarantine as you're in quarantine. Uh, Damn, I kind of like good. that. Yeah, it's actually like if you just, I think we're six episodes in. If you just started from the beginning, it, it's its pretty cool to watch. And then like the, they have to do these challenges, obviously. And then it leads to people being thrown in against each other to see who's eliminated. It's always a one-on-one battle to see who gets thrown off. And it, Aren't it's all just, the dudes like super alpha on it? Like, yes. That's from what I, what I remember. Everyone's really bro-y. Like, everyone's, yeah, super like alpha male. And then most of them are assholes. And then you kind of find a couple that you like and you root for. And then they, it's basically the veterans try to get the new people off the show. And it's just a lot of drama ensues. And I just like it for, I don't, I'm not a huge drama person in these shows. It's more like I like seeing like the fear factor aspects of it, the challenges and the competitions they have to do. Mm. And then, uh, so keep it going here. I'll go quicker. Uh, so you guys got me hooked on Rick and Morty. I, I'm already caught up on that. Fucking love that show now. Uh, Onward I watched on Disney Plus, which I thought was actually a pretty good movie. I think, Jerry, you watched that too. I did. I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was that great, but I, I saw it, it as well. Good, it was an all right movie, right? What did you think yeah, about it? I, I think all right is, is a quick and easy way to describe <laughs> yeah. it. I think it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was It was enjoyable, but like I'm not going to watch it again. If you're bored and want to see, like, a new movie, movie. Yeah, yeah. Just throw that on. And then I watched uh, The Master with Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. That was like a trippy movie to watch. 
Ooh, that's that intriguing me. That one's I don't, I don't even know it. He, so Joaquin Phoenix basically joins this religious cult, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's the head of it. And it's just kind of like everyone's kind of hates Joaquin Phoenix for joining. Like everyone else who's already in it doesn't like him, but Philip Seymour Hoffman sees something in him. It's a, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, and then Better Call Saul finished up season five. That's gonna be that's my big recommendation. Just just get hooked on Better Call Saul from the beginning. It's so good. I like it probably just as much, if not a little better than Breaking Bad. I know that's probably like more of a recency bias, but I do love it. You so said much. better it's, than Breaking Bad, dude. I I swear. Besides, like season one, this last season I think was the best season of television I've ever watched, and that's like compared to season five of Breaking Bad. It was it was incredible. Like the whole time you're just on the edge of your seat. God damn! And just trust the people who made Breaking Bad that they wouldn't screw this up. Because when I first started, it's like, oh, you think it's gonna be like a mockery show? Because Saul is Saul Goodman is the like the comic relief character in, uh, in uh, Breaking Bad, but they just go so like how you're saying in these anime shows how they build the character build so much. Like there's so much behind him that you you wouldn't even imagine, and these people just thought of it and made it into a real life character. It's so amazing. I watched the first few episodes when it was first when it was airing on AMC, and you just couldn't get. That's how it is for me. Like that's what I was with Breaking Bad. Like I couldn't. Wa- I watched the first three. Was like, okay, I'm not gonna watch it. And then you get back into it, and you're like, okay, this show's actually pretty good. And that's then you're so like, holy shit, this show's amazing. So that's if you get so past true. like the the first three episodes, kind of really just have to build up a little bit, and then if you get past that, like four or five, halfway through that first season, you're kind of hooked. So it's just like Breaking Bad in that sense that like it's kind of hard to get into but once you're into it it's like you exactly. then appreciate how good it is it's like these low like uh these slow scene building and then once like the scene ends you're like holy shit that was intense almost like a quentin tarantino movie yeah and then uh so just the last four we've we've we talked uh, about tiger king a million times just with each other so that obviously if you haven't watched that you're kind of just crazy uh the mj documentary which is finishing up this or tonight which i can't wait to watch that and then the last movie I would say would be Big Time Adolescence with Pete Davidson. And which with his new movie, I don't know when that comes out. The King of Staten Island. It's that is, like a, that it looks, looks like so it's a sequel. To me. It looks it does like so. Big Time Adolescence was like kind of a good hidden movie. Like I like that movie, and like it's good to see Pete Davidson in an acting role before you see him basically just play himself. Even though he basically plays himself in Big Time Adolescence. That's all I got. Um, for me. Movies I watched for the first time. I finished the Fast and Furious franchise in preparation for F9, which I have to wait another year for now. Um, But that was Furious 7, Fate of the Furious, and Hobbs and Shaw. Knocked all those out. I did finally watch Uncut Gems for the first time. Pretty amazing, as most people have said. Um, One that I'm not sure that you guys have seen, Hunt for the Wilder People. Don't recall. I don't even think I heard of that. That one came, that one's on Hulu now, I believe, is where I watched it. It's a Taika Waititi joint, and it's got the kid from Deadpool 2 and Sam Neill, who's uh, Alan Grant in Jurassic Park. It's basically those two carrying the movie for the most part. Uh, Very enjoyable. I, I didn't really know anything about it other than it being a Taika Waititi movie, and I enjoyed it all the way through. He can't, he can't do no wrong right now. He's definitely like the hottest. This this sounds good. Just looking it up, Jerry, I just looked it up, and it says, a boy and his father become the subjects of a manhunt after they get stranded in the New Zealand wilderness. That, that just kind of gets me hooked. That's pretty accurate. It's, I'm, uh, I'm listening. This is interesting. It's got the Taiki, Taika Waititi brand of humor in it, for sure. 
it's I think it's like an hour and a half like it, it's fairly short it's not a huge time investment and it's pretty dang good uh what else I know we all watched Love is Blind I wasn't even gonna finish it but then lockdown happened so I figured why not finish it still don't know how I feel about that show to this day I love it <laughs> Bob's a super fan <laughs> If anyone that hasn't hasn't heard yet, the, um, any of our weekly listeners, I am a Love is Blind super fan. I auditioned for season two. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a girlfriend, so that's, that's great. Yeah. She didn't know yet, though, so hopefully she doesn't <laughs> listen to the podcast. Um, I'd say the best show that I've watched was The Outsider on HBO. I think I started that maybe just before Corona kind of shit hit the fan there. But I finished it since. Very solid 10-episode season of a show. I was basically sold from the very first episode, and it only got better from there, in my opinion. I feel like it. there was a buzz around it when it first came out, but I'm not sure that it really had legs. So if you had heard about The Outsider and it intrigued you, I would definitely recommend that you go see it, or stay home and see it, rather. Uh, on HBO, I also watched McMillions, which I thought was okay. Definitely got overshadowed by Tiger King once that came out. Then nobody cared about any other documentary ever again. That is until The Last Dance, which as of our Space Jam podcast, I had not even started. But as of today, I am all caught up, ready to watch the last two episodes tonight. And I'm also the biggest basketball fan on the planet. Cannot wait for the <laughs> NBA to come back into season I honestly think it's just an incredible documentary, and for someone who doesn't really care about basketball, I'm loving every second of it. That shows how good it is, though, you know? Like, yeah, if, it's, exactly. if it can hook a non-basketball fan. I haven't caught up fully on it. I think I watched the first four episodes. I absolutely love it. I'm almost, like, saving it, because I know, like, all the episodes... Well, after today, all the episodes are... It's over. So I think I'm going to try to watch the rest of them all at once in like a, in, like, one sitting. So after tonight comes out, I'm, I'm going to pick a day probably next week, and I'm just going to watch all of them. Because, yeah, it is. It's unreal. You might become, like, a great basketball player just from watching, Bob. I, I think that's that's watch. usually how it works, yeah. I think <laughs> me and Jeremy are both going to be. They need players right now, so. <laughs> I will say, I think I have a fairly unique experience watching this documentary because over the course, they're going back to, was it the 97-98 season? Mm-hmm. Yep. And... I don't know if they win or not. Uh, they're building this wow. whole thing up, and I don't know if they win. I don't wow. know anything don't tell about him, basketball. Bob. Do not tell yeah. them. That's, <laughs> for, you're watching it great, Jeff. That's, for that's somebody, really, wow. You're wow, the like, perfect person to watch this movie. <laughs> that's why you think it's so good. I've, you're the only every, person. Every twist and turn, dude. Uh, basically, the only thing I saw coming was Space Jam. Everything else in this documentary Jared, is new information to me. Jared, can I ask you a question? Have you ever used something called the internet? You don't know what happens <laughs> at the end? Obviously, I could look it up if I wanted to. Have you ever to. watched Sports Center, ESPN, any of their programming? Have you heard of these channels? <laughs> I'm familiar. That rings a bell. <laughs> However, as someone who does not care about basketball, all of this is new to me. I don't Jeremy, know what's going to happen. I'm on the edge of my seat. Do you know how many titles he wins in the end? Like, do no. you know, like, to- oh, okay. I wish that- I could watch this through your eyes. Holy crap! It's <laughs> probably so nice. Like, it's probably so cool. <laughs> I haven't even heard of half the people they're talking about in the, in this thing. I don't know anything about anyone. And it's, like I said, it's all new to me. I'm 
I'm getting the full experience of it. That's kind of great because I feel like some people, if they didn't know any of the people or the, or the characters of the show, as how you're probably viewing it, would just be like, well, I'm not going to watch it. But that, that the fact that you want to watch the whole thing and don't know anything is you're probably like a, an extremely small. You may be the only person in the world who doesn't know what happens, <laughs> <laughs> or the, at least the only person watching. I can, yeah, I. That's amazing, and I'm actually jealous. Like I think about how good I think it is, but to not know what happens like <laughs> makes it so much better. Like that's actually amazing. I mean, it, it, imagine. The way you watch Tiger King, right? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know the twists and turns. That's me watching a, That's, a yeah. documentary about a basketball team from 22 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but that wraps up this list, this quick list of stuff I'd watch for the first time. Should we go around the horn and each pick one thing we haven't mentioned yet to recommend to the people listening to the Big Movie Boys podcast that you definitely want to make sure they watch as soon as possible. Yes, absolutely. And I'd love to start when it comes to this because there's something I'm very passionate about. Um, it's actually, it's, it's a movie. It's not just one. It's actually a trilogy. And it would be Rush Hour 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> the three greatest movies ever made starring the two best actors in the history of the world, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. I mean, if you've listened to any of these podcasts, I don't think I can go 30 minutes without talking about one of these movies. You gotta see it. It'll change your life. Start at Rush Hour 1. Go watch 2 right after. Watch 3 right after that. And just enjoy your life the way your life was meant to be enjoyed. Watch wow, the Bob, greatest. That's, that's a strong take. Watch them in order. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow, watch. incredible. I, I think I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll kill a man for Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan, and and I'll also kill somebody that talks shit about Rush Hour. So, my only question, I guess, for you is: Is Mark Wahlberg in any of these movies? No, no, I, I'm not. Rush in Hour Four: Battle for Boston has that come out yet? Dude, don't even tease me because I. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I think I would I would spend every dollar in my bank account to just keep rewatching that movie <laughs> if it came out. That's my personal heaven. Well, well, that was a glowing recommendation from Bob. No one saw that one coming. <laughs> ben, what about you? So mine, yeah, besides Better Call Saul, like just, just watch that one. Um, the other one, I, I'm only one season in. It's called Shit's Creek. You can watch, I think, all, five five of the six seasons are on Netflix. I think you'd, you'd have to figure out where the last one is. Either, on, I think, the CW possibly. But it's with uh, Eugene Levy, his son. I think they're the creators of it. Um, and then the... I forget it. Catherine O'Hara, she's the mom in uh, Home Alone. So she plays like this former soap opera character. They're, they were a rich family. They lose everything. They have to go live in this shitty motel and called, and the town is Shit's Creek. He happened to buy the town. I didn't know that was a thing. And they have to live there with all these terrible people who are just like gross and just, it's kind of. How do you yeah, buy a town? That's. If you can get past that part, apparently it's a thing. And then, like, the whole okay. show, I think, is him trying to sell the town so they can move. But um, so far, it's fucking hysterical. His son, Daniel Levy, um, he plays David in the show. He's he's absolutely hysterical. That character makes me watch everything. It's almost like I didn't really like the show How I Met Your Mother, but because I love Neil Patrick Harris so much, I watched the whole thing. That's kind of like this show for me. Sure, what do you got? I, I was stuck between two, so I'm going to very quickly mention one that I think everyone should watch. Middle Ditch and Schwartz. 
This is uh, Thomas Middleditch of Silicon Valley and Ben Schwartz of Park and Rec. I guess they went on tour last year, and they do a one-hour improv show, which I've never watched long-form improv before. But I it had it recommended to me. There's three episodes, hour-long shows that they recorded, and it's some of the funniest stuff I've ever watched in my entire life. I watched one just figuring I'd check it out, because I wasn't even like a huge Ben Schwartz fan from his character of Parks and Rec. And I don't really know anything about Thomas Middleditch, but goddamn, are they not two of the funniest people when they're doing improv together? What's it on? What What is it on? It's on Netflix. Okay. See, that's funny that you say you didn't want to watch it because of that character. I think that character is what makes me want to watch it. Okay. Ben Schwartz's well, character. I, mean, it, I wasn't too hot on him before, but now I'm all about it. So if you already like him, then no reason you shouldn't check I this out. I definitely think I'll start this then. Super good. Um, so that's my quick recommendation. The one I really want to emphasize, even though it doesn't need me talking about it, is Dave, which is the little dicky show that was on FX and Hulu. Mm. Uh, I watched it on Hulu personally, but first season is completed. Ten episodes. They're like 25-minute episodes. I think I watched it in two sittings. And I wasn't... I had started it, and I think episode two or three... I still wasn't, like, completely sold on it, but by the end of it, I'm like, damn, that was one of the best shows or best seasons of a show I think I've ever watched. And I, w- I wouldn't even consider myself going into it a big Lil Dicky fan. Like, I'm familiar with his music. I've heard most of the songs he's made. I've watched most of his music videos. He lost a little bit of my, uh, a little bit of standing with me when he pretty recently collaborated with Chris Brown to make that Freaky Friday song. I was like, the oh, only well, that's... song I know by him. Dude, yeah. that song's fire, though. Say what you want about Chris Brown. That, <laughs> that song's a fucking jam. I can't even deny that. It's not like I haven't heard it, but it's just like, I don't know. Trying to bring Chris Brown back into uh, pop culture. Not the best look, in my opinion, but, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I just kind of had like a passing familiarity with Lil Dicky. This whole season is like a semi-autobiographical, like him coming up in music. And everyone in it is so great and funny. There's celebrity cameos in almost every episode, like big cameos. Like, I don't know how Lil Dicky convinced these people to be in this first season of a TV show. And... I don't know, like, I my understanding of it before I watched it was it was just kind of like some stoner comedy, whatever. It's so much more than that. It's so meta. It's so self-reflective. It gets, like, pretty deep. Like, it goes to, like, deep dives into side characters and, like, tackles some pretty serious issues. But it's also, like, funny all the way through. So, yeah, I mean, I can't really recommend anything more than Dave definitely watch the whole first season even if you're if you're hesitant to start it just watch it just so you can get to the last episode it's so funny and perfect a perfect ending to a season and how it's how many episodes was it jerry 10 episodes they're you know 30 minute tv episodes so it ends up being like 25 minutes give or take you might have sold me that's doable i think i, I think you sold me on both of yours and i'm definitely going to rewatch all the rush hours so and my my mission is accomplished. <laughs> and Dave did get confirmed greenlit for a season two, so you have more to look forward to if you do enjoy it. 
All right. I think that wraps up not only our watch lists and recommendations from what we've been watching during quarantine, but that also wraps up this episode of the Big Movie Boys podcast. As always, thank you for listening, and remember, we'll see you at the movies.